0: just looked
1: stressed all the time it got really to the point where they were completely untouchable in the
2: league someone should tell him that if he mentions some coronation street episode something like that probably he's going to be more more popular i will be mancunian for the rest of my life so i will be Manchester city fan
3: and yet there's there's something that it just feels like there's something missing a little bit
4: On November 19, 2020, Manchester City announced that Pep Guardiola had signed a new contract that would keep him at the club until the summer of 2023. In theory, keeping hold of their most successful manager would be unambiguously good news for City. But if Guardiola stays until the end of that deal, he will have been at the club for seven years. That's as long as his two previous jobs at Barcelona and Bayern Munich put together. In his third year at Bayern, he had alienated club officials and caused a highly respected doctor to resign. By his fourth year at Barca, he became so burned out that he had to take a year off wandering the museums of New York just to refresh himself and clear his head. Guardiola is already into his fifth year at City, so the question needs to be asked, is another two seasons of this brilliant, but famously intense manager a good idea? Would Manchester City be better off without Pep Guardiola? And would Pep Guardiola be better off without Manchester City? I'm Ian McIntosh. Welcome to Beyond the Headline. in seiner neuen Rolle auf aufgru und er ist die Kapitänführung. Und wieder ist es Ayan Robbe. wie vor Pflicht im Champions League Finale. Merci, merci, gol 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 Guardiola was appointed manager of Barcelona in 2008. He arrived into a dressing room on a downward trajectory after a trophyless season under Frank Rijkaard. He also arrived with minimal experience, having only one season as B-team coach to his name. But even back then, there was faith in Guardiola's coaching brain.
0: It came down to a decision between Guardiola or Mourinho
4: Dermot Corrigan, Spanish football correspondent for the
0: Athletic. But there was a certain amount of trust from him, from the, the kind of tactical mind that he'd shown a, as a player, and how everybody was so aware of how well he talked about the game and what a how crazy he was about football and how he, true he was to his ideas and to what Barcelona needed. That there was very little concern or or very little pushback against them going for Guardiola even coming into a situation which at the end of Frank Rijkaard's term in charge there was quite a lot of chaos you know in the team a lot of big players who had gone a little bit out of control under Rijkaard right but people seem to think you know and it, it does seem a little bit strange looking back at it now but that Guardiola was the, the right decision the guy to come in to, to sort out the situation
4: as you'll probably remember it went pretty well for Guardiola at Barcelona under him they won 3 league titles in 4 seasons along with two Champions League trophies and the treble in the 2008-9 season.
5: esto
3: es la perfección. Es la de la pequeñez física del Barcelona. Leo Messi acaba de marcar de cabeza un gol dentro del área del Manchester United. ha conseguido tres títulos, los tres más importantes,
1: en un año.
4: But by that fourth season, things had started to unravel. The pressures of being not just Barcelona coach, but a symbol of the club had started to tell. As had the pressures of internal club politics that would rival the most complex national governments, and the pressures of facing José Mourinho at peak José Mourinho. In his farewell press conference, Guardiola looked a broken man.
0: He kept using the word desgaste as well that day, which is a difficult Spanish word to, to translate, but it, it does kind of mean burnout or wear and tear or emotional and physical toil. And you could see that in him, that even his appearance, that he, he just looked stressed all the time. He, he didn't look as, even just the fact that he wasn't smiling as much in public, he didn't look in control as much of what was going on.
4: Perhaps the most important reason for Pep Guardiola's success was also the reason that he had to leave Barcelona. His intensity.
2: He's so focused on the game. I mean, he's a guy that he prefers to be kind of isolated just with his really own circle.
4: Paul Balouche, co-author of Pep City, the making of a super team.
2: Uh, not to talk too much. He's just thinking about the game, thinking about the opponent. He doesn't concede like any, like like a steam-off moment. He's just so intense. It's just the way that he understands it. I think that it relies on a lot. He's uh, sure about himself, sure, yeah. But he also feels that he, if he doesn't work enough, probably the, the opponent can work more than him, and they are starting winning one nil, and he, and he just don't want to allow that. I mean, he wants to start the game feeling that he has worked the same amount of hours or more than than the uh, than the other manager, and I think that he needs it. He needs it, and he needs this this amount of work just to be himself.
4: After the reset of that sabbatical in New York, he was back in the game at Bayern Munich. His appointment was announced in January 2013, when Bayern were looking for someone to solve a still open wound from 2012.
1: Well, Bayern were still reeling from their horrific Champions League final defeat in Munich by Chelsea six months earlier. Raphael Honigstein, German football expert for The Athletic. They had finished finished runners-up in all competitions that year, which for Bayern is, is fairly traumatic. And when Guardiola became available and Bayern managed to, to get him to coach, there was a real euphoria in Munich in a sense of, you know, we've, we've managed to get the world's best coach in, the guy that all of England, all of Italy was after. I think it was sort of the equivalent of signing Lionel Messi at the time. You know, you, you, you're getting Guardiola, you're getting the world's best coach. Um, hugely exciting. Everyone wanted to, you know, to
4: to be there when he arrived. But when he did arrive, a few things had changed. In the months between the announcement and Guardiola actually taking over, Bayern had won the treble under Jupp Hengs, only dropped two points in the second half of the season and beaten Borussia Dortmund in the Champions League
0: final. through the middle.
1: The irony was, of course, that Guardiola was signed to win the Champions League for Bayern because they maybe harboured some doubts that Heinkes would, would be able to do it. And then, of course, when he arrived, he arrived at a team that had just won the Champions League and his job became slightly harder for it. So they, they simply didn't know, you know, back in December that he, you know, would would inherit a team that, was, that were the treble winners. And they thought he would, he would be the guy that would take them
4: towards the promised land. Did he reach that promised land with Bayern? Well, yes and no.
1: Well, I think Bayern expected him to bring his beautiful football that he'd played with Barcelona. And of course, it was also very successful football with two Champions League wins to Munich. And both have the, um, you know, sort of stylistic Impact and the glamour and the, and the glitz, if you will, associated with him, his name and his, his his philosophy, but also convert that into trophies. That was the expectation, and by and large, it was of course met, with the exception of the Champions League, where Guardiola could not quite could not quite deliver and failed, if you will, at the semi-final hurdle three times in a row. But he he basically did what they expected him to do. Bar just going that extra steps further in the Champions League.
4: Of those three Champions League semi finals, in two of them Bayern were a little unfortunate, but in 2014 they were destroyed by Real Madrid in a tie that would have repercussions for how he would manage in the future.
0: No, 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 no. <inaudible>
1: It later emerged that actually the team had urged him to play a slightly different game in the second leg, a slightly more aggressive game, where they basically sacrificed possession in midfield and never had the control and then were badly beaten on the counter attack and set pieces. So his authority, you know, his, his power, if you will, to to shape the team and to make them into a guardiola team was not hurt by that defeat i think if anything it managed to maybe to convince uh, the players and and maybe at least some levels um, some sections of the board to follow his blueprint blueprint even more closely and give him the tools to to shape this team even more you might say it's a very convenient way to admit a mistake saying oh I got it wrong because i listened to others Uh, that will never happen again but it was actually in this case pretty accurate reflection of what happened Um, the majority of the players he consulted did say we want to be more direct we basically want to play a 4-4-2 and guardiola went with it thinking that you know you want to make your players happy and it didn't work out and that was it really as far as i think asking players uh, was concerned at bayern
4: And so he arrived at Manchester City. He arrived at a club that had already been set up to suit his needs, with former Barcelona allies Ferran Soriano and Cheeky Stein at the club. They were willing to do basically whatever it took to get Guardiola and then to make him happy.
5: They admitted quite openly when they did get him that they'd first made an attempt in 2012, which would have been... The year they'd won the title. Sam Lee, Manchester City
4: correspondent for the Athletic.
5: So you know if they could have if they could have got Pep then presumably as soon as Mancini had won the league they would have gone, well thanks very much but we're getting Pep now, uh, which would have been very ruthless. So obviously they've tried for so long to get him. I, I just think they wanted to make sure they could keep him for as long as possible. They could make him as comfortable as possible for as long as possible. And you know a good example is the whole process of getting him a house in Manchester. You know Guardiola wanted a big house. But he didn't want it to be, you know, out in Cheshire or Alderley Edge. He wanted it to be in the city centre. But obviously, there's nothing like that. So they ended up getting, you know, a block of nice apartments where, you know, Leo Sane, Gundogan, John Stones have lived over the years as well. New signings sometimes move in there. Um, but they, I think, they would knocked through maybe two or three and made Guardiola a massive one. And you know, this was it wasn't really a sticking point, but it was definitely something they needed to sort it out. Once everything else was in place, they were like, "What are we going to do?" To, you know give him a house to to feel comfortable and I would say that that approach has been replicated within the club as well so he feels comfortable he feels like everything's set up for him to succeed and by that it's making sure the players looked after to his standard you know they don't they're, they're not distracted they don't have they don't have to do anything effectively certainly that they don't want to do and by that extension, you know, the,
4: the food is right in this kind of thing. So that's probably the best way to put it. Despite four full seasons in which City have won two Premier League titles, a domestic treble, and achieved a record-breaking 100-point season, it's worth asking what might sound like an odd question. How popular is Guardiola's City fan base?
3: Uh, this isn't a daft question, because there's, there's so many facets to it that I think are quite interesting.
4: David Mooney, co-host of The Athletic's Why Always Ask podcast?
3: Because if you were to talk about a City manager that I think has uh, that kind of ingratiated himself to the City fans, uh, you'd look at someone like Roberto Mancini, and the one that a lot of fans really connected with was Mancini. Guardiola has done that through the style of football that he's played and the, the amount of trophies that he's won and, and just the success that he's brought to, to City, which has been unprecedented. But yet, it still feels like the connection between Guardiola and the fans isn't quite what it was with Mancini and the fans, for instance. And um, I, it's really difficult to say exactly why that is. I mean, he's, he's obviously popular. He's obviously he's, he's brought you know the best football that that the fans have ever seen. And yet, there's there's something that it just feels like there's something missing a little bit, whether it's the, the way he talks in, in press conferences about wanting more fans to turn up and and get behind the team and and, and kind of like those calls to arms feel a little bit like they, they can cause one or two problems for, for, for one or two fans. I think that
2: it, it has played a part in terms of um, how some people is is approaching Pep. Paul Balush. I mean, probably someone should tell him that if he mentions some Coronation Street episode, something like that, probably he's going to be more more, 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 more popular. I don't know that. <laughs> but the the measure of what he has done here uh, in England that has been, like, in my opinion, raising the bar of English football and pro- producing probably two of the best teams, not just Man City, but I think that Liverpool has learned and has uh, eaten from that... Um, Uh, desire to win that Man City has put in the league and yeah I think that probably it's um, it's one of the main things that Pep has brought here in the Premier League just a fierce competition and a desire to win and a feeling that any slip can be key because the level is so high uh, that those big teams just don't just don't forgive anything. Ultimately,
3: I, I think a lot of fans will be very very happy that he signed a, a, an extension. I don't think the I, I don't think anybody who I don't think the dissenting voices are really that loud. Um, but I wouldn't say that everybody is united behind you know Guardiola staying for much longer than he is already. It's it, it's kind of this weird situation that we're in, I guess. That weird situation.
4: And any doubts that City fans might have are also rooted in logic, not just emotion, and what has come before. Cracks will show in the reign of pretty much any manager after four years in one place, as they did at Guardiola's previous clubs. Dermot Corrigan.
0: Remember the press conference at the Bernabeu in 2011 when, during the four Clasicos in in 20 days, that storm of Clasicos when everybody all around the world in football were watching Barca and Madrid, it was fantastic really or amazing just the, how world football was all focused on on these Clásicos and Guardiola came out on top in, in those games really you know Barcelona knocked Madrid out of the Champions League but there was that press conference at the Bernabeu before the first leg when uh, Mourinho had, had wound Guardiola up by talking about um, some comments that Guardiola had made about uh, an offside decision in a Barca game a couple of weeks before or the previous week in La Liga and it was, it was silly stuff really the type of mind games that Mourinho you know, always gets involved in, and Guardiola maybe in in previous years would have laughed it off, but he felt he had to reply, and he went into the, the press conference room in the Bernabeu, asked, you know, which is which is Mourinho's camera here, and want to look at it, stared straight down the camera. And called Mourinho. He said that in this room, Mourinho is the, the puto amo.
4: In esta sala, él es el puto jefe, el
0: puto amo. Which, if I can say it, is like the, the fucking chief. He's the, he's the big boss man here. But out on the pitch, we're going to show him. You know, maybe he rules in the press room, but we'll win on the pitch. The fact that Mourinho was so able to get inside Guardiola's head, I think, really had a, had an impact on, on how his final season unraveled and, and how he ended up leaving Barcelona.
4: At Bayern 2, by the end, he'd made a few enemies not least over the departure of Hans Wilhelm Müller-Wolfhardt, doctor at Bayern and the German national team, Raphael Honigstein. This one goes
1: back to a disagreement over Thiago's treatment. He had a suffered a, a cruciate ligament injury and Bayern wanted him to be treated and operated on by their trusted doctors. They usually uh, use someone in the US or, or more lately someone in, in Austria. Um, Guardiola sent him to uh, his preferred guy in Barcelona and then there was a disagreement over his rehabilitation and essentially Guardiola would often push for players to be back on the pitch as quickly as possible and Milo Wolfard was always a little bit more cautious thinking players needed more time and they had many falls out falling outs and, and disagreements and ultimately just did not get on to the point where one of them just had to leave. And the club backed him at that point and felt that he's the more important person, the more more important employee. But it was one of those things which ultimately just showed you just how difficult it was, I think, to maybe sort of
4: domesticate Guardiola and make him part of the Bayern Munich setup. In addition, Guardiola made a few enemies in the Bayern hierarchy over his departure for months. They tried to engage him in new contract talks, to no avail. This is, after all, not a club used to hearing the word no. So what is his legacy in Munich?
1: I think his his reign will be always seen as the high point of Bayern's domestic dominance. It got really to the point where they were completely untouchable in the league and would only drop points when the league has once the league had already won I mean the first halves of all of his seasons they were just unbelievable and it got to the point I remember where Bayern fans felt there was no need to to watch the team play on television because they knew the result anyway and those things will always be I guess balanced or countered by a perceived failure to to do the job that he was hired to do which is to win Win the Champions League. Now he would say, and I would agree with that, that you need a bit of luck to do that. And I think looking back at the uh, drop off in, in Bayern's performances in the years between Guardiola and and Hansi Flick taking over in 2019, you have to say that the consistency that he achieved with those three semi finals and with Bayern being always sort of among the the contenders and the favourites to win the Champions League is, I think, a pretty good achievement in itself. Um, it's not something that, you know, will, will find its way into the history books. It's not something you can put on the CV. But I think a lot of Bayern fans would appreciate that Bayern played probably the best football they'd ever seen um, at the time. And while they may, may be a bit more successful and efficient now in the Hansi Flick, I don't think the football is quite as riveting and as, you know, aesthetically pleasing as it was when Guardiola was in charge.
4: Clearly, something is different now. To persuade Guardiola that seven years at one club is a good idea. But what has changed? Is it Guardiola himself? Has he become a more relaxed character than the intense ball of dogma and tension that we've seen before? Paul Balouche.
2: I think that he has learned probably to put more distance probably between the player and and himself. He knows that he is doing a job and the player is doing like like his job... uh, As well. And probably when he was at Barcelona, he had a special link with the players that he was managing. He was like a a mate of dressing room with Xavi on his old days as a player. With Carlos Puyol, they they shared the dressing room uh, as well. You could see that the relationship was probably more like friends than than a professional relationship. And I think that through the years he has learned just to put some distance on it and just focus on the job that you are supposed to do, because Maybe it's the healthier way to approach the job. Plus, what you were telling about the the sabbatical year in in New York that Pep took after the Barcelona days. I think it's important to understand uh, as well that it's different for Pep to manage Barcelona than managing Man City. He's a Barcelona fan, he's born and bred there, he feels the club as, as his own. And what Barcelona means, not just um, for him, but in Barcelona and in Catalonia and and in Spain and all it moves, all all what it takes. um, It's it's more like it's really hard to take and it makes you feel like even more tired. And I think that it can burn you out more, more easily than any other project. So I think that here in Manchester, probably he has put himself with the distance with the players, but he has also found himself in a place more calmer than uh, than what what Barcelona was for him.
4: Perhaps it's less that he has changed, and more that the situation has changed. Dermot Corrigan.
0: This is interesting, and it's something I've written a piece, or helped out with with Danny Taylor, who wrote a piece about this on the Athletic about a couple of months ago, when we were still not sure whether he was going to sign or not. The what were the differences between the situation or the environment at Barcelona? as he was coming into his to the end of his fourth season and at City in the same uh, time frame. And, and the biggest difference really is the people around him. Like at midway through his term as Barcelona coach, the president changed. So previously it was Juan Laporta who was, you know, super close to Cruyff, super close to, to that strand of Barcelona history and identity and Pep fitted in really well there. Then when Laporta left, Sandro Rosset took over as president. Sandro Rosé and Laporta were enemies. And Rosé went about changing things at the behind the scenes at the camp now, making decisions which Guardiola wasn't really in, in favour of. Things to do with La Masia, with transfer policy, with commercial deals, stuff that Guardiola probably you know doesn't want to be making those decisions. But there was just a feeling that the club was moving in a, a different direction. That Guardiola, the things Guardiola was asking for in terms of preparation. I remember there being a, an argument about preseason tours as well. There, just his relationship with his his club president wasn't so good. Now the people who he's surrounded by at Man City is uh, Bagiristain and others who have come from, you know, that the Barcelona which he went into. So he's the people who were in place there when he was at his very best and is most comfortable at the camp. Now a lot of those are now at City and are are happy to to work with him and to put the things in place that he wants in place. And I think that, and from talking to people around Pep, that's a huge advantage to him or a huge reason why he. Maybe doesn't, hasn't suffered the same amount of desgaste or the same amount of burnout at city because he's not fighting such battles, or he, he feels that the people around him are, are pulling in the same direction as he is, uh, and that seems to have been a key factor for him signing a new contract and, and deciding to stay.:
2: Paul Balouch.: I think that he has enjoyed it so much.. Yeah. I, for what I see about him, I, th- I think that he's happy here. He is, he's feeling that he can work here. He's feeling challenged. Of course, he's a person that doesn't like to lose, that when he loses, he's the kind of guy that uh, closes himself on his office and work like 48 hours a day um, just to try to be better and just to think on the space on the pitch that he can take advantage of to hurt the, the opponent. But at the same time, he loves this kind of challenge. And apart from that, apart from the challenge that the Premier League has just provided him, I think that the club has played an important role to to make him feel... How, how, how he's feeling now. I think that because he's in the place that he can work better in the world right now, there is no place where he can be more comfortable in terms of what I was telling you before, the challenge that he has in the Premier League. He has a league uh, really competitive with the best teams in the world, the best players, best managers uh, in the world. Um, he is in a club where he really feels surrounded with people that trust him. And he feels that he's involved in a project that he has done a lot, but he still can do some more things. He can grow up, he can kind of rebuild a bit of the team, make some changes. Um, So I think that he can see himself in a vision of future here. Basically, he, he is happy. That's, I think that that is the main reason. He's in the best place that he could work in football and he's happy.
4: That's why he's staying at Manchester City. But in the next episode of Beyond the Headline, we'll consider what might happen next.
5: Clubs either change the manager or they change the players. We'll talk about what's gone wrong at City. I thought the identity of players was very cautious for Guardiola, probably the most cautious
4: side I've ever seen Guardiola send out. And consider whether Guardiola can fix those things that have gone wrong.
2: I think that the biggest challenge is try to identify which are the changes that this team needs. This is part one of a
4: two-part series of Beyond the Headline, Pep Talk, what's next for City? Part two is available to listen to now, and you can find it ad-free via The Athletic. If you're not already a subscriber, head to theathletic.com forward slash beyond to see our latest offers. Subscribe now to make sure that you don't miss out on future editions of the podcast. Beyond the Headline was produced by Abby Patterson for The Athletic. It was written by Nick Miller.
3: Sorry for the interruption, but if you ever have a hankering back for the golden days of Sunday afternoons in Italian football on your television, then you might enjoy the podcast Golazzo with James Horncastle and James Richardson. That's true What kind of thing Are we going to be talking about In the new series Of Golazzo James
2: Hallcastle Sinitsa Mihailovic Oh Or Ronaldo At Inter Bit of Luciano Spalletti No 4 6
3: And loads of other stories Like that All laced with The kind of juicy Backstories That you only seem to get from Italian football. Join us then for Golazzo with myself, James Horncastle, and ESPN CNN football writer Gabriele Marcotti, available at all your usual podcast providers.